the cannabis industry is evolving at a radical pace, progressing toward the green peak. Each week, join Richard Zwicky, a cannabis visionary and entrepreneur, as he interviews experts from around the globe to discuss updates and evolutions in the world of cannabis. Let's make that climb together up the, the green, green peak. peak with your host, Richard Zwicky. Hi, everybody. I'm Richard Zwicky with The Green Peak. And joining us today, we have Tony Samios, who is the Chief Operating Officer of Health House. Welcome aboard, Tony. Thank you very much indeed, Richard. So, Tony, you and I have known each other for coming on a decade now. Um, actually, I think we first met when you were still with Stake. Um, That's and, um, and then, you know, we dealt with each other on a couple of... Uh, transactions and customers when you were over at Caliber, but I know that for the last few years, like myself, you migrated into the uh, cannabis industry and you started off, I believe, with uh, New Frontiers um, mm -hmm. and then as a, as a managing director, if I remember correctly? Uh, that's right. I was uh, running the European operation. Fantastic. And I'm sure that was fascinating with all the data and insights that you had. And from there, you moved over and uh, joined the other side of the house, effectively, um, with Health House, which is a, uh, a wholesale distributor of medical cannabis across Europe. Correct. Tell me about the. Tell me about how that's been as a transition from the data side to the uh, the actual customer side and supplying. Uh, I assume you su supply pharmacies and distributors, um, retailers around uh, all of Europe. That's right. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's been a great change, actually, because my time at New Frontier Data gave me a really good insight into the whole landscape and, um, you know, where the markets were, how advanced they were, etc. Um, I mean, our distribution really started from Australia. So mm -hmm. we have five units as part of Health House. Um, our main Australian distribution business, we were granted the first important distribution license into the Australian market. Mm -hmm. So we helped educate the market there. Um, and we supply directly into the uh, pharmacy supply chain. So we serve about uh, 700 pharmacies and about 500 doctors direct. Um, and then we uh, acquired a UK wholesale pharmaceutical distribution business with uh, all the correct licenses to allow us to import cannabis from uh, Europe uh, and around the world. And we also own a UK pharmacy, so we can deliver direct to patient. And we recently acquired a German uh, distribution business called uh, Can Pharma, which now makes up part of the Health House uh, Group. So we're a we're a public listed company um, on on ASX. So primarily the European markets are not that advanced at the moment, apart from Germany. So our main distribution for the moment uh, takes place in Australia. But we are poised with our licenses to uh, be able to distribute our range of products uh, into the European markets. And our, our, our range of products, incidentally, are not uh, our, our own. We do have certain exclusive uh, agreements with manufacturers, but we represent a portfolio of manufacturers with different uh, products ranging from oils to sublingual wafers and patches and flour. So, yeah. 
Yeah, no, there's a, there's an amazing variety. And, you know, just what you spoke about um, coming over from the data side into the operations side, you had tremendous insights into where the market really was, how developed uh -huh. it was and the like. But I'm sure you've had a few shocks along the way too, as you've hit the operations side in terms of some of uh -huh. the barriers that you've unexpectedly faced. What would those be? The big ones. Um, so I think, I think, I mean, there are a few, let's call them barriers to a fully functioning, you know, medical market. I think they essentially can be classified into uh, people. I mean, on the people side, I, 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 you know, I think there's not enough patient demand still there's there's pent up demand but there's certainly lack of good information from from trusted sources and therefore a great amount of confusion and misinformation about what is available and for what conditions um i'd also say there aren't very many knowledgeable clinicians mm -hmm. so uh, those clinicians have very limited knowledge of the endocannabinoid system. They don't really have much information by way of trial results. Um, and they also, you know, lack patient experience as well. Um, and, and equally, those doctors aren't very empowered. Um, they're fettered by restrictive local policies, prescribing guidelines, and I guess peer opinions as well. Um, pharmacists also uh, are not very experienced at sourcing unlicensed medicines. And then I guess on a product side, there's limited drug supply. So, I mean, certainly here in the UK, no unlicensed uh, cannabis medicines can be stocked domestically. So right. there's one-off ordering via specialist importers such as ourselves. I mean, the law recently changed in the UK where you can import up to 25 doses, but you need to um, have uh, um, proof of, of, of demand, essentially. I think there's a lack of diversity of uh, mm -hmm. product offerings as well. Um, I guess pricing is also an issue. So uh, there's there's lack of domestic pricing in 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 most uh, countries. So it's imported. So I guess a lot of the manufacturers are taking advantage of that. Right. Um, and then finally, in terms of process, I would say there aren't that many access channels. So it's 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 essentially non-existent on our national health service here. Uh, private clinics haven't really merged or scaled um, and, you know, reimbursement is not there either. Um, and the whole process itself in terms of uh, gaining import licenses, um, applying to the relative bodies, repeat prescriptions, the time it takes to get... Um, to get to get it into the hand of patients um, really does take a long time. So I, I, I think I think the combination of all of those factors um, are restrictive uh, in 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 you know there really being a, a fully functioning market in place. And I think I think that that really is the same for the most of Europe.
It is. And, and, you know, I think Europe, I mean, the European market wasn't well served in 2020 with the regulations changing, uh, you know, what did they change four times last year to in, in Europe, right. forget about what happened in the UK and everybody's out, you know, the different regions are completely out of sync, which doesn't help anybody. Um, what do you, you know, with regards to that, how do you see that changing over the next year and a half or so? Because, you know, businesses are trying to plan just as as you are, but everybody who's entering the market or working in the market is trying to figure out not just where it is today, but orient themselves towards where it's going to be a year, a year, year and a half from now. And with the barriers that are, you know, popping up, which are normally we'd see a market like this gradually opening and becoming cleaner and clearer, but this one is uh, becoming a bit more messy in terms of the barriers that are being put up. And I think that's going to be a bit of a longer answer with regards to it. So we're probably going to come back to it right after the break because we have to take a break for our sponsors. Uh, but we'll be back with Tony Samuels um, from Health House. And I'm Richard Zwicky on The Green Peak. The Green Peak will climb back into your podcast player after we play some messages from our sponsors. Elevate your every day with that Shuggies feeling, with the sweet taste of Shuggies. Add a cup of Shuggies to your morning coffee. Ah, how sweet it is. Shuggies infuses cannabis and cane sugar to make it the perfect sweetener with benefits. Make your happy hour happier with a dunk of Shuggies in your drink. Order your Shuggies now at shoogies.com or find it in dispensaries throughout California. Whenever you crave a little sweet, pick up Shuggies, the sweet, sweet, take anywhere treat. Climbing our way up, up, up to the Cannabis Summit of Success. Cannabis Radio is back with more of the Green Peak. We're back on the Green Peak with Tony Samuels from Health House. And Tony, just before the break, we were talking about some of the barriers that exist in Europe. And those are opportunities as well. Um, and, you know, my note, my what I was saying before was just looking at the problems. But the reality is a business that's planning out 18 and 24 months in advance is trying to make educated decisions about where the market's going and what will likely be permitted and available. And as you mentioned, doctor education is a problem and it, uh, pharmacy education is a problem and product validation is still in process, but consumers and you know, practitioners, many of them believe in the product and understand and know intuitively that it is working and benefiting them. How do you see it developing over the next 18 and 24 months? And what sort of decisions are you having to make as far as health house um, product mix uh, in light of where you believe that's going? Sure. I mean, I think it's, it's going to take a very long time. Um, what we experienced in Australia was from the point of legalization to what we consider quite a fully functional market now it took really about eight years. And so if we take the UK, for example, we legalized cannabis here in November 2018. So if, if, if Australia is anything to go by, it's going to take a while. Um, also, the UK is, is they consider themselves to be the center of, of, of life sciences and really like every uh, independent country in Europe, they want to run their own trials, they want to get their own clinical data, they don't rely on studies uh, mm -hmm. from around the world. 
um, you know, when it comes to uh, really pushing forward the, the narrative uh, around cannabis. So I think it's going to be a rough ride I've, uh, for, for a lot of people. Um, we're in a very fortunate position in as much as we are uh, distributors of other people's products. We also have five revenue generating uh, businesses. So we haven't invested huge amounts in, in capital expenditure and, and grows and manufacturing. Um, I think it's going to be tough for a lot of people, but equally um, changes are happening. Uh, access is being opened up, um, albeit very, very slowly. Um, but the reality is most countries or many countries in Europe and around the world, I don't know what the latest count is, have legalized it and, and, and in legalizing it, they need to push forward that narrative and make it actually happen. Um, Absolutely. And it's, you know, that, that's been a problem for everybody in, in the industry because countries take the step forward of legalizing, but then the regulatory framework kicks in and they're not prepared or, you know, there, there's such a myriad of issues Yet the product path isn't that complicated. It's I, I find it's more a question of willingness, lack not anything else. Mm -hmm. um, willingness by by whom by by by, by all by all levels of government actually just mm -hmm. go forward and say okay we've done this and let's make it you know transparent and complete as opposed to we've done it and it's kind of like ticking a, a checkbox off and saying you know mission accomplished, everybody go home, and nothing's happened. Yeah, I, I think the difficulty with that, Richard, is um, certainly the way it's seen here in the UK is mm -hmm. for every other medicine on the market, clinical trials need to take place, and the data mm -hmm. need to be collected, and the results need to be published. And so that on, on one side of the coin, you've got, well, why should it be any different for cannabis? And then you've got everyone else who's actually in the market and wanting to supply um, patients ultimately and change people's lives in, in the way that we know it can. And there's a very delicate balance there. I mean, of course, being in the marketplace and, and, and being a distributor of products, I want to see all markets opened up around the world and for everything to be fully functioning. Of course. Um, but these things do take time. And I think you asked me before, how do people plan? Well, I think people need to plan for, for, for quite a rough ride. You know, a lot of uh, valuations um, of businesses, uh, cannabis businesses have been based on what they're going to grow and not necessarily what they're going to be able to distribute. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't. I think those two things are, are quite are quite far apart. Um, yeah. No, I, I agree with you. I mean, the the industry was very much built, and a lot of you know the euphoria that existed, and you know I've been involved through that obviously as well. Um, mm -hmm. There was a lot of analyst reports that indicated the size of the market and how quick it would grow and everything else, and it's never been a question are the consumers there. And it's proven that it can be produced at scale and at you know great costs. The challenge is the piece in between, and that was, 
um, you know, be it the, as you said, the product, the uh, product validation, the distribution systems that um, break those barriers down or mm -hmm. whatnot, th that's uh, been an unexpected hurdle for a lot of participants in the industry. And I, I agree with you. I don't know if it's going to be smooth for the next couple of years. I do look at Europe, you know, and the U.S. being on very divergent paths, um, with the U.S. probably moving towards legalization on a on a national, federal and national basis, sooner than Europe uh, gets its regulatory systems aligned, which is almost counterintuitive with how the progress has been made to date. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, if you. US? Um, we don't necessarily. I mean, we see the US as uh, essentially somewhat of a consumer market dressed up as a medicinal market. Mm -hmm. um, Absolutely. And, and in, in Europe, I think the difficulty is with Europe is, I guess, I mean, you only need to look back at whole at the way the European Union was set up. It right. was a great idea. Uh, everyone thought, you know, we could create this union of many countries. And then what we realized is the Germans think like this, the Spanish think like this, the Italians think like this, the British think like this. And so having European wide policies for uh, cannabis doesn't work. Um, I don't think there will be that. Yeah, right. Um, I agree. I mean, and, and so everything is left, you know, domestically. I mean, the reason why I mention that is obviously because in, in things like CBD, you've got, you know, a slightly different thing going on there mm -hmm. uh, with, with novel foods and under a European kind of umbrella, if you will. Uh, but even that um, has been left uh, to be interpreted by uh, individual countries and how they're going to apply that. So you've got all of these uh, countries within Europe, all at different stages, um, and you penetrating that is is going to be really really tough. I mean, you know, you only need to look at countries like I mean, I was speaking to some large uh, uh, pharmaceutical distributors yesterday in Italy, for example, and. Uh, you know, everything, they've only been six or so uh, importers allowed, but it all has to go through the Ministry of Health and they need to approve who, who they want to be allowed to come into the country and everyone's got their own rules, right? So yes. it, 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 it's going to be very tough. Um, I mean, the only really functioning market at the moment in Europe is, is Germany. Mm -hmm. Um, and there are some other interesting markets coming up, but but you only need to look at the numbers. I mean, I think the UK, there have been 3,000 prescriptions. Um, Germany, uh, probably uh, some more than that. And and they're supposed to be, I mean, you know, you, you asked me before about New Frontier data, where we, where we used to put out all of this data. Uh -huh. And... Uh, you know, the analysts, the, 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 all of the data was pointing towards the whole of Europe by 2024 being worth, I can't remember how many billions. Um, it was many. <laughs> it was many. It was many. And, um, you know, I guess, I guess this whole conversation is, it depends who you ask, right? Mm -hmm. if, if you, if, if you ask a, a grower manufacturer, they're, 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 they'll give you a different view. Um, but we're very much 
on the ground distributing to patients and to doctors. So, so we're right at the, the forefront of uh, getting medicine into the hands of patients. And whereas we do well as a company for the reasons that I mentioned before, because we have, we're, we're revenue generating, uh, I, think, I think lots of companies are going to have you know, a tough time. I, I think so. And, uh, you know, let's come back to a bit of, in the last segment, she'll be coming up in a minute. Let's get back onto what health health strategy is through the next uh, 18 months, because obviously that's a big part of the future and where you are as a nexus in the uh, industry is going to be keenly important. We'll be back in a minute with Tony Samuels from Health House. The Green Peak will climb back into your podcast player after we play some messages from our sponsors. Hey, take a look at this. They're selling smart pots. (laughs) They have pot that can make you smart? Where is it? Not that kind of pot. Smart pots are the best aeration container to grow your plants. Check this out. This is the original fabric container for faster producing, healthier plants. They're made with a superior fabric that delivers high yields. Plus, smart pots are reusable and sustainable, so you can use them over and over again, no matter if you use them indoor or outdoor. That's very smart, but how good are they for the environment? Smart pots are BPA-free and lead-free, so you'll always be able to ensure a pure, clean grow, and they're 100% made in the U.S. Over 28 million smart pots have already been sold, so it seems like a smart investment. Look for smart pots in close to 2,000 garden centers throughout North America and ask for the original fabric container. Find a store near you or order yours online at smartpots.com. Climbing our way up, up, up to the Cannabis Summit of Success. Cannabis Radio is back with more of the Green Peak. And we're back on the Green Peak uh, with Tony Samuels from Health House. And Tony, um, Health House itself uh, recently went public in April. And I'm sure that, uh, you know, that event has changed a lot of the operation uh, from a day-to-day basis for you. But I'm sure it's also opened up opportunities. How are you finding it? Um, yeah, so, yeah, I mean, it was it was challenging, firstly, to, yep. to do that. Um, hats off to uh, my colleagues and, and my board um, who uh, managed to uh, achieve um, the listing. We've been really happy about that. It has opened up opportunities uh, for us. So was um, it a direct listing or a reverse or what was it? I'm not sure the mechanic that was used. So it was a, um, a a reverse listing, okay, um, of of uh, a company called uh, uh, VCPL, and um, we uh, you know we were very happy with that. Um, it made sense for us, and it's given us the opportunity to have publicly traded paper to expand our European and international business strategy. Um, and it certainly uh, helped uh, put us on the map. Absolutely. It, all, it helps um, raise the profile of a business immeasurably once you can get mm-hmm. there. And it's, uh, it's a challenge to get there. So, you know, hats off. I know we were, I've been go- I was yeah. going through the process and in 2019 with the market collapse in North America that, you know, just in cannabis, that just didn't happen. Um, but I know that that's, you know, something which the, uh, the company was prepared for and ready to go and do, and it's, uh, it's a tough one, but you know, once you're public, 
You're right. You can use paper to, to trade, which is, you know, a fantastic uh, availability to have your own currency from a, one perspective. But it also means that you've got uh, different planning and uh, practices, but also less, you know, every error and every win is in the public domain. Then mm -hmm. with that, obviously, you have to plan out differently than a private company, which, um, you know, can make more adjustments along the way without anybody noticing. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things we talked about just before the break and, you know, I was thinking about was your focus has been on medical. You've got a, a great distribution network across Europe uh, and the UK. You know where the customers are if they had enough access. You have mm -hmm. all those insights which are much closer to the final customer than any research firm and much more broad than any pharmacy in individually would have or even pharmacy chain which is operating within a single country but as the market continues and we're looking two years three years four years out you know it's not just medical but recreational products are going to become more and more available how how does health house plan for that um, we don't plan to get involved in a recreational market. Um, our focus is purely on uh, supplying the pharmaceutical supply chains. So I think there will be changes. I agree. Um, I think in the UK, there may be even a scenario whereby um, patients are allowed to grow their own plants, for example, and extract their own oils um, mm -hmm. prior to there actually being full reimbursement on the NHS. That may happen. I know, I know that there are, uh, I've, I've, I've heard, um, you know, quite a few voices around that. Um, but for Health House, we plan to uh, continue doing what we're doing and defending and expanding our uh, first mover advantage, certainly in Australia and, you know, exploring mm -hmm. other uh, Asian distribution uh, opportunities. And in Europe, we, we really, you know, want to continue to plan um, uh, expanding our, our, our markets our markets across the whole of Europe. I think there's so much to do there. That, oh, there is. You know, trying to get involved on the recreational side is 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 not really what what we're trying to do. We'll leave that to others. No, absolutely. And as you said, you know, prior in the conversation, uh, in the US, a lot of recreational is marketed as medical. And there's the mm -hmm. space in between, which is wellness, which is going to have its own, you know, its own slice of the pie. Mm -hmm. um, and um, market, and it'll be interesting to see how each of those develop as they become more and more available. But you know, I, I hope that the European market gets a little more smooth. Um, it gets becomes mm -hmm. a little more consistent. I think is the probably the more appropriate term, where the regulations don't change every three months, and consumers and industry professionals are able to really plan and execute without having the the wool or the rug pulled out from them uh, constantly. Mm -hmm. So, Tony, we're just running to the end of the segment and, you know, just as a last little bit, you've got the, you know, as you said, the five operating entities and you're spread with the operations in Australia and you've got the German footprint in the UK. Where do you look at being your next um, market that you're going to be attaching to and really looking at uh, developing further or um, which market you look at being, you know, going to be the emphasis where you're going to make a, a larger push now that you're public? 
Mm -hmm. I mean, we, we definitely want to uh, be exploring Asian distribution uh, opportunities from, from uh, our Australian side. And as far as Europe is concerned, I mean, we entered Europe via uh, the two, um, let's say, largest markets or the two markets that, that hope to be the largest. That's not to say that some of the others may not take over. Yeah. Um, so really, our focus is on expanding into all of the um, legalized markets in Europe. And, and as I said before, I think that that in itself is a big challenge. It is. And it's going to take us uh, time and effort. So, and, and probably take us many, many years. So we don't want to bite off more than we can chew. I think, I think that that in itself is, is um, a, a good challenge for us to uh, undertake and execute upon uh, properly. Um, and the benefit of that would be very good for uh, all of our investors and, mm -hmm. and staff. No, absolutely. Focus is always, you know, focus is incredibly undervalued and incredibly important um in any business so i'm glad to see that's where you're you know how you're looking at it as well tony thank you so much for joining us today on the green peak and uh it's been a pleasure it's great to reconnect with you after uh, a few years mm -hmm. and um thanks to our listeners for joining us again this week i'm richard zwicky and we'll be back to you shortly The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited.